2: I was searching for old interviews with Ghislaine Maxwell when I found a copy of Hello from February 1997. It's a British celebrity magazine, a bit like Us Weekly, you know, the kind that you flip through at the hair salon or while you're waiting for the dentist. It wasn't easy to get a hold of. I actually had to bid for it on eBay. On the cover, it says, exclusive, Robert Maxwell's daughter Ghislaine. And inside, there's a 10-page spread full of photos of Ghislaine in her New York Upper East Side apartment. She looks both powerful and elegant. In one photo, she's in a white and black gown leaning against a grand entryway. In another, she's standing in her office in a pantsuit holding a stack of papers. There's even a fax machine in the background. In the interview, she explains how she's been rebuilding her life in Manhattan as a business consultant, selling antiques, and doing some PR work. There's no mention of Jeffrey Epstein. The piece only really gets interesting when the conversation turns to her father. This interview was conducted just over five years after Robert Maxwell was found dead, floating off his yacht in the Canary Islands. At the time of this article, the cause of his death was unclear. It still is. But now, Ghislaine was speaking to the press about her father's death for the first time. I'm going to be the voice of the Hello Reporter. We've used an actor to voice Ghislaine Maxwell's answers. So, the journalist says, According to pathologists, your father's body was found floating, which isn't consistent with drowning. What do you think happened to him? I don't believe my father committed suicide. Apart from that, I don't know. You are convinced of this? Yes. If he had committed suicide, he would have drowned. And he didn't. You can't commit suicide and not have any evidence of it. Much was made at the time of big financial problems, which is why the suicide theory came about. He didn't commit suicide because he didn't drown. There's no evidence of suicide. So, if you don't think he committed suicide, do you think it could have been an accident? Well, it could have been an accident. Or it could have been murder. What do you think? I think he was murdered. We're going to start the story of Robert Maxwell in an unusual place, his mysterious end. Because in some ways, his death shines a whole new light on his life. Today's episode, Man Overboard. What really happened to Robert Maxwell?
1: He committed suicide while, finally, the balance of his mind was undisturbed. I think he must have fallen over the side of the boat.
0: I thought Mm -hmm. he did what the guys do when they jump out of of, of the windows on Wall Street.
1: You can believe that Mossad took him out, if you like. There's a lot of that online. I could not think of anybody less likely to commit suicide. I'm in no doubt that he would have taken his own life as an act of vanity, that in a way, uh, he uh, once again, having controlled his life, he'd now control his death.
2: I'm Tara Palmieri, and from something else, this is Power, The Maxwells. Episode two, The Lady Ghislaine. Welcome to True Spies. It was fall 1991. Robert Maxwell was feeling run down. He had a cold that lasted for months. He was struggling to shake it off and his doctor recommended a break. So on October 31st, he flew to Gibraltar on the south coast of Spain and boarded his massive yacht, the Lady Ghislaine, named after his favorite child. It was a vacation, a bit of winter sun, but Maxwell, like always, continued to work. He took phone calls and received faxes, but at an easier pace than his usual mile a minute. He swam naked. He dined alone in a restaurant on the island of Tenerife and tried to enjoy his own company for once. Five days later in London, the Mirror newspaper photographer, Ken Lennox, received a message.
3: I was in the office and I was preparing to go out in a job. And um, the editor's secretary came through and said to me, Ken, stay where you are. Don't go anywhere.
2: Ken photographed all of the royal family. You've definitely seen some of his pictures, like the moment he captured British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher crying in the back of a car as she left Downing Street for the last time in 1990. He had an incredible career.
3: Traveled the world, conflicts, earthquakes, all sorts of bad, I, I was the bad news photographer.
2: Ken didn't know it then, but he was about to be sent on an assignment that was very different from all the others. An assignment that we're still trying to make sense of today.
3: And uh, the editor said he come back after 15 minutes and said, come with me. So I went over to the editor's uh, office and I walked into his room and he said, close the door. Before I say anything to you, none of this must leave this office to be told to anyone. And he said, I I mean this, Ken, there can't be any gossip or anything about this. It's very important. And then he said to me, Robert Maxwell has gone missing over the stern of his yacht, the Lady Jelaine, near Tenerife. They're searching for him. He said, I want you to be ready to get up to the roof And there's a helicopter coming in with um, Miss Betty Maxwell on it.
2: Elizabeth Maxwell, Betty as she was known, was Robert's French wife of 46 years. After she raised her large family, she earned a PhD and went on to become a respected Holocaust scholar.
3: I thought he was a marvelous husband and father, certainly for the first 20 years of my married life. I mean, he was a, a very good
2: father. She stuck with Robert ever since they met in Paris at the end of the war, but by 1991, they were leading relatively separate lives. It was no secret that he treated her horribly. It was her youngest son, Kevin, who'd broken the news to her over the phone that her husband was missing. At that moment, everyone was in total shock and confusion. They were asking, how could this have happened? Could he have possibly managed to leave the yacht without anyone noticing? It seemed unlikely. Had he drowned? Possibly. Either way, they needed to find him, dead or alive. And then someone else was enlisted to help.
1: I was in a wine bar with my news editor for the simple reason we'd had a bet on the Rugby World Cup and a bottle of champagne, and I'd lost, so I was buying a bottle of champagne.
2: That's John Jackson, a senior reporter at The Mirror. He worked at the paper since the 60s, earning the title Fleet Street's Chief Rodder for his take-no-prisoners attitude.
1: And a call came through from the editor for me which just said, get back immediately.
2: The champagne would have to wait. He got the same briefing as Ken. So two Muir staffers, John and Ken, were on their way to the Canary Islands to try and find their boss, Robert Maxwell.
1: It was a, a news reporter going on a very good story. It was the story of the day. And it was all so hurried, you know, and uh, it was straight onto the helicopter and you didn't have much time to think.
2: Ken sat near Betty.
1: I wasn't sure how
3: she was going to be because uh, here she's just been told her husband's gone missing. So she was good. She was very composed and um, said, have you been given any briefing? I said, no, nothing up to date.
2: Weird rumours were starting to spread back in London. On the floor of the stock exchange, traders were getting spooked. And then...
0: This afternoon, trading was suspended in Mr. Maxwell's companies at their request. Lack of further detail at that stage produced a brief flurry of downward pressure on shares generally.
2: The whole London stock market took a downward turn. Maxwell owned businesses in every continent. Tens of thousands of jobs could be impacted by his disappearance. Then the Mirror newspaper group made an announcement.
1: The millionaire publisher of the Daily Mirror, Robert Maxwell, has been reported missing from his motor yacht off the Canary Islands. Mr. Maxwell, a leading figure in the world of newspapers, printing and television, was reported to have disappeared by the captain of the yacht when he failed to answer a telephone call.
2: Mirror journalists were rattled.
3: It's just tremendous shock and enormous sadness.
2: It was mid-afternoon, and Maxwell had been missing for over 10 hours. Maxwell's spokesman issued a statement to reporters in central London.
3: A sea and air search began after three extensive searches of the ship found no trace of Mr. Maxwell.
2: He was still nowhere to be found, and daylight was fading.
3: We'd been flying for about 40 minutes, When one of the pilots came back and he said to me, Ken, would you like to see our new controls we've got in? I thought, what?
2: But really, the pilot wanted to speak privately.
3: So I got up to go and look at the new controls and he got in there and he said, they found a body.
2: A naked 300 pound body was spotted by a fisherman near the coast of Grand Canaria. It had floated just 15 miles away from the Lady Ghislaine. The news spread throughout the private jet.
1: And Betty came back and just sat next to me, and she just said, I'd like to say, whatever's happened, he didn't kill himself. She said he would never, ever kill himself. So, we shall see, but I just wanted to let you know that, she said.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.
1: the air-sea rescue helicopter was parked with the body on board.
2: That's John Jackson again, the Mirror reporter who was on the plane to Spain with Maxwell's wife and eldest son.
1: But before we went in, um, the helicopter pilot, the Spanish helicopter pilot, said to Betty, he said, I've pulled many, many bodies from the sea, and I can tell you, that this one did not drown because there was absolutely no water in the lungs. He did not
2: drown. After disembarking the helicopter, John and Ken were shown the body.
3: And there on the mess table was Robert Maxwell. Uh, naked as a day is worn. And I know this sounds a strange thing to say, he looked good. He didn't have a big tummy, he was lying flat on his back. He wasn't discolored in any way. He looked fresh, pink.
2: Ken covered earthquakes and conflict in Vietnam. He'd seen plenty of dead bodies, often in horrific conditions.
3: Here was Robert who looked unmarked. He had a little uh, graze mark on his left upper arm or close to his shoulder, and that was all. There was no other blemishes on him whatsoever. He looked as if he could have opened his eyes right away and said, Why are you looking at me?
2: Just in time for the evening news in London, the manhunt was over.
3: The sons of the newspaper tycoon Robert Maxwell confirmed just an hour ago that their father is dead.
2: And in the strangest circumstances, Ken and John's assignment wasn't over. Their editor wanted them to stay with the Maxwell family for support. So they flew to Tenerife, where they boarded Maxwell's yacht, the Lady and,
3: you know, My job right from the start was just to look after anything that Betty needed in behalf of the Daily Mirror.
1: And I was taking phone calls. We had phone calls coming in from Margaret Thatcher. And uh, in fact, President Bush Sr. phoned from Washington on one occasion.
2: Already difficult questions were being asked, and different theories were emerging. Did he have a heart attack and fall overboard? Or could he have been pushed? Was it suicide? And if it was, how could it have happened? In addition to managing the family, John had a news story to file. He was speaking to the crew and the captain who said that Maxwell was, quote, enjoying the boat more on this trip than he had ever done. John was trying to work out what happened.
1: It all starts in the middle of the night um, around about three four a.m., he made a phone call to the bridge.
2: Maxwell asked for the air conditioning fans to be switched off.
1: He then wandered out onto the deck. And I'm not a yachtsman, but I gather it's it's quite common for male yachters at least to, shall we say, pee over the side.
2: Could it all have been an accident? You know, Maxwell goes to relieve himself. Maybe the boat moves. He feels wobbly. And topples into the sea? But what about the thing the Spanish pilot said?
1: I've pulled many, many bodies from the sea, and I can tell you that this one did not drown. That
3: afternoon, in flies uh, Ghislaine herself.
2: The Lady Ghislaine had sentimental value. When Maxwell bought it in 1986, he made Ghislaine travel all the way to a shipyard in the Netherlands to help him christen it. He told Ghislaine to mount some scaffolding while clutching a bottle of champagne and then to smash it against the ship for good luck. Now, here was Ghislaine arriving back at the boat to come to terms with her father's sudden and shocking death. There's TV footage of her arriving at the harbor. As she gets out of the car, there's an explosion of camera flashes. She looks ghostly white and in total shock. She almost gets back in the car, then quickly composes herself, turns away from the press, head down, and lurches toward the yacht.
1: One thing I didn't see at all was any tears. There were no tears. Now, maybe when mum and daughter were together in their own room, you know, but publicly there was absolutely no sign of tears.
3: We knew press were arriving from all over Europe. Betty said, Jelaine, I want you to go and talk to the press, uh, who are waiting outside, about your dad. John wrote out
1: a speech for her. I was her sub-editor. <laughs> she said, I want to say this, and I'd said, well, yes, that's a very good idea, but let's phrase it this way. But this time, at the Quayside, there was 30
3: or 40 press people there. And Jolene came up and, shaking like a leaf, addressed the press.
2: I found a video of the press conference online. Ghislaine is ushered onto the deck by Ken Lennox. She's wearing what looks like a tartan skirt suit, maybe Burberry, gold earrings in the shape of cowboy boots. She would have been about 29. She looks a little nervous, maybe intimidated by the crowd on the shore. But she doesn't look particularly sad. She begins by speaking in Spanish thanking the local authorities for their help with the search operation. Then she switches to English.
1: I also want to take this opportunity to thank all the many hundreds of people who have sent messages of support to us at this very, very sad time.
2: She's controlled, measured, Professional.
1: I want also to thank the press for their courtesy and consideration to my mother and to us at this time, which we appreciate very much. Gracias a todos and thank you all very much.
2: At the end, there's a question from one of the reporters.
3: Ms.
1: Maxwell, may we ask It's
2: hard to make it out, but it sounds as if the journalist is asking her the question that everyone wanted to know the answer to. What happened to her father?
1: Well, all, all these things will be revealed. That was the statement. Just, thank you very much.
2: With that, Ken leads her back into the yacht. There was still so much doubt but the family had to urgently arrange a funeral. In another surprising move, they decided that Maxwell wouldn't be buried in the UK or America or even his native Czechoslovakia.
3: But Betty had explained to him that she wanted to leave so that Robert was back in Israel for Shabbat.
2: Robert Maxwell was Jewish, and it was arranged that he would be buried in the Mount of Olives, a site reserved for some of the most powerful people in Israel. This is sacred ground, an ancient cemetery where prophets, rabbis, and great statesmen are buried. Not a place filled with many businessmen.
1: So we packed everything up and uh, left the Lady Ghislaine, uh late at night.
2: Ken and John followed the family on the next leg of the journey.
1: As we were walking off down the gangplank, as you can imagine, all the cameras were going crazy.
2: In the media rush, John almost didn't notice something.
1: Ghislaine was missing.
2: He rushed back to the yacht.
1: And that was when I heard her telling the, uh, the crew to um, shred all the faxes and any documents.
2: John later wrote in the Mirror newspaper, Ghislaine rushed through the yacht's lounges and cabins, rifled drawers and cabinets, plucking documents from them indiscriminately, throwing them to the ground. She shouted to the crew, I order you to shred immediately everything I have thrown on the floor." Ghislaine Maxwell has since, quote, totally and utterly denied the claims. But if it's true, what was Ghislaine trying to hide? Did she think that her father needed to cover his tracks?
0: hear
1: the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.
2: They all got to the airfield. The plane was ready to take off, but there was a problem.
1: Betty said to the captain of our Gulfstream, right, um, we'll get the coffin on board. Now, he was a very big man, and they put the body in a zinc lined coffin so it was extremely heavy large and heavy and the captain said, I don't think it'll get on Mrs. Maxwell I don't care it doesn't matter if he's upside down on on his head what we just want we just want to get to Jerusalem
2: with some manhandling they squeezed the coffin into the doorway of the plane and took off for Israel
3: I'm facing Betty and she's looking back and watching the coffin being loaded. And as we took off, um, we saw the sun again because we're high enough up to see it. And there was just a little red sky and the sun there. And Betty asked me, can can you put out the lights? So I did. And Betty had a little weep. And um, then after a few minutes, just quiet, she said to me, could I have a whiskey, please? I think we toasted Robert, or we did something along the lines of that. She's looking back and can see Robert's casket wedged in the doorway. And she said to me, Ken, do you think Robert's on his head or his feet back there? And gave a little laugh. And I said, well, Betty, he always landed on his feet.
1: (laughs) There was great sadness and grief here today. Tears from Mr. Maxwell's sons, his wife, and his daughters. Recognition from Israel, which bestowed upon him the respect of lying in state in Jerusalem's National Convention Center.
2: One day later, on a chilly Sunday in November, Maxwell was put to rest. Six of the children attended the funeral. Betty and her three daughters stood beside the casket in black knee-length skirts and black hats. Her three sons stood on the other side of her, in slick black suits with poppies pinned to their lapels and yarmulkes on their heads. During the eulogy, one of Maxwell's sons said, Dear Dad, Soldier, Publisher,
3: and Patriot, Warrior, and trotter, father of nine children and grandfather of eight, we salute you.
2: After the ceremony, Maxwell was carried to the sacred Mount of Olives. The New York Times reported that the Israeli prime minister and president watched as his body was lowered into a rocky grave. Funerals are meant to offer some sense of closure, but not this one there were still a lot of unanswered questions. First of all, why did he get such an extraordinary service at the world's oldest and most prestigious Jewish cemetery? When asked about this in the Hello! magazine article, Ghislaine spoke vaguely of Maxwell's commitment to Israel and the Jewish people. What she didn't mention was a theory that's still being discussed today. Did Maxwell have links with the Mossad, Israel's secret service? Could this have been why he received what was essentially a state funeral? The matter of how his body ended up in the Atlantic is also still a mystery.
3: I poo-poo everyone who talks about it. I said, no, he fell over the side. And they went, how do you know? I said, I just feel that he, he never committed suicide, you know. I think he fell over the side. I still think it was an accident to this day.
2: the speculation only grew with the announcements of Maxwell's autopsies. The first one was carried out by Spanish authorities while the family was staying on board the Lady Ghislaine. It eventually concluded that Maxwell's death was from natural causes. But what did they mean by natural causes? The judge ruled out drowning and said Maxwell probably died by accident. She also ordered the case should be closed, as she could find no evidence of wrongdoing
1: i think he either had a heart attack fell forward grabbed the chain couldn't hold on and fell and was dead when he hit the water or he because of the rocking around he fell grabbed the chain but he was a very hefty man and an unfit man um couldn't hold on fell And he died instantly when he hit the cold water and died of a heart attack then. That's my theory.
2: But while they were in Israel awaiting a burial, the family decided to order another autopsy of their own. This one was conducted by a British pathologist. But by then, some organs had been removed and the body was partially embalmed ahead of the funeral. It made it difficult to examine. In the report published a month later, the pathologist couldn't make out a clear cause of death but he thought drowning was most likely. The report also contained the detail that Maxwell had torn muscles on his left shoulder and lower back.
3: It was huge. And then his end leaves doubt with everyone, you know.
2: I would love to be the person, 30 years later, to finally get to the bottom of his bizarre end. But that's probably not going to happen. Instead, I find myself going back to weird details like... How his corpse was floating on its back rather than face down, which is the normal way. Could that mean there was foul play? If we believe Ghislaine's theory that he was somehow murdered on the yacht, would someone really plan to take him out while he was miles offshore? And why would someone even want to kill Robert Maxwell in the first place? He was so complex. And if we're gonna make any sense of him and have any chance of answering any of these questions, we need to go back to the beginning of Maxwell's story from his humble origins. Next time on Power, The Maxwells, a young business mogul striving to make a name for himself.
1: Look, when your family's been wiped out or disappeared as it was then, and there seems like nothing to live for, you are willing to go that extra mile. And, uh, and he certainly did that
2: with an ego like no other.
1: He put his arm around Nelson Mandela to draw him deeper into the room and said, now, Mr. Mandela, let me give you some advice on how to negotiate.
2: And fierce determination. Uh, I mean, Maxwell cried in the dock at one point. He wept. Power of the Maxwells is written and presented by me, Tara Palmieri. Producers are Paul Smith and Grant Irving. Story editor is Dasha Lisitsina. Our executive producer is Tom Koenig. Original music by Nolan Schneider. Engineering and scoring by Spoke Media and NPAL Audio. Our visual designers are Emma Lansdowne and Alex Elder. Special thanks to Ella McLeod, Joe Sykes, Russell Finch, Peggy Sutton, Steve Ackerman, and Mark Rivers.